Hey everyone, this is Lindsay Baroker. Just recording a quick intro here. Uh, we have on the show today Damon Courtney from Book Funnel, and he delivers a lot of great information. I just wanted to warn you that we did have a sound issue with one of our hosts, um, Andrea had a problem we did not detect during the recording, uh, and it only came up during the editing. And unfortunately, we weren't able to fix it all the way, but hopefully you'll still be able to get enough out of the interview for it to be useful. Um, Damon's sound should be good, and he was the one delivering the majority of the content. We do apologize for that, and we'll you know try to figure out how to not let that happen again going forward. Thank you very much. Hi everyone, welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Andrea Pearson, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Lindsay Baroker. And I'm Joe Lalo. And today we've got a guest. His name is Damon Courtney, and I'm sure some of our listeners have heard of him. <laughs> he's, he's pretty well known in the, in the publishing world, um, but he's a fantasy author, and he is the founder of Book Funnel, which is a service that delivers ebooks for authors. So uh, reader magnets, uh, free reader magnets, or selling directly from your site. BookFunnel also lets you deliver up to two-hour audio files, which is really fantastic. Uh, create uh, QR codes for promotions and bundle ebooks with other authors for group promos. Damon has been involved in publishing for a, lot, a long time, and he sees a lot of what works and what doesn't when it comes to selling books direct and using them for promos. So he'll be sharing some tips and best, best practices today. And... I'm just going to go right into our first questions, if that's okay with everybody. Yeah, go. Good. A round of nods and a yes from Damon. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, Damon, uh, for those authors who don't already know, what is the story behind the creation of BookFunnel? Uh, so I itself, uh, back in 2011, back in the, the olden days of self-publishing, I, uh, I uh, self-published a fantasy trilogy, and I had gotten off to a, a decent start. I felt pretty good about it, but I was trying to, I started reading up and trying to build my own newsletter, a, a way to communicate with my readers directly. And I built a website, and I, I had kind of put the sign up there, and I didn't really have any sign-ups. I, I wasn't really hitting that very hard but i felt like well i mean some people are people are reading the book somebody should be signing up and so i went looking around just to see what um what advice others had out there and the gurus at the time the advice really hasn't changed much i mean since what is that 2008 years the advice really hasn't changed a whole lot but it, they, everybody was kind of saying hey you know uh, people don't want to give up their email address maybe you should give them a cookie give them something nice that that says hey thanks for joining my list here's a little something for you a short story a novella or if you have a series the first book in your series that whole first book free you know series thing was working really really well and so if you hey i'll give you the first book in my series free if you sign up for my newsletter and i thought oh that, that's pretty cool i'll totally give the first book away and and then hopefully they like it and they'll go on to to buy the other two books uh so i was looking into well how do I give that book away? And everything that I found, I mean, the biggest authors in the world, the indie authors in the world that were giving away their books were basically just attaching EPUB and Mobi files and sometimes even zip files and PDFs to emails. And that was, that, that was how it was done. Uh, and I thought, that's a terrible, terrible experience. My mother would never figure that out. My mother had a hard enough time figuring out the iPad herself. I had to get my two-year-old daughter to show her how to use it. But I thought, that's not good enough. And so I started looking around just to see if there was a better way. And while there was, there were easier ways to get books onto different devices, I had a Kindle and I tested that. And I had my iPhone and I tested that. 
Um, nobody had, had built anything for authors to use. And so I, I set out and built it for myself first. And the more, the deeper I got into it, I thought, man, this is, this is actually pretty cool. I think that other indie authors would really be able to use this because everybody, I mean, everybody at that time really was jumping on the, sure, I'll, I have a free short story. I have a free novella. And that was pretty much all they were doing with it at the time was, was building up their newsletters, building up that, that mailing list. But I thought this is a really, really powerful tool that a lot of people could really take advantage of. And, and most of all, readers could take advantage of. Because if you're out there and you're just emailing people files, um, some people will be able to figure out that, figure that out. I'm a pretty techie guy. I don't have any problem with that. But uh, the average reader was not going to be able to figure that out. So that was where I, I started from. I am one of those people who was emailing EPUB and Moby files. And it's just like, and then they, they'd email back and say, how do I get this on my, that, that, that thing I've never heard of. Right. You don't. Sorry, this promotion is not for you because I can't help you with that. So I'm always curious from a, when somebody is an author as well as a provider of a service, I like to ask them, like, you know, how are things going? Are you... You were working on a sci-fi series too. How's that coming along? I, I have been working with a co-author on a space opera series. We also have a, a fantasy sci-fi series combo that we're sort of working on together. Uh, truth be told, I haven't been able to do a lot of writing since I've been writing code. Uh, you know, and, and I will say that that doesn't disappoint me. Uh, I'm not one of those people for whom you know programming and software was a day job and you know writing was going to be the escape from my day job I, I love being a programmer i've always loved developing software and building things and so book funnel is i mean it is my day job but not in that way that we use that you know that nasty word day job when we're applying to it i i love what i do and now it's it's really cool for me to be able to be to have my my feet in both sides of it to be able to build the, to be the programmer and still build really cool things but also to help indie authors. I mean, I love, I've always been a reader. I love being a reader. And most of the books that I read now are all indie authors. And so I'm out here going, no, 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 I want to help you guys. I, I really want to help you. I want to be a part of this. And I want to be a part of the indie self-publishing movement. So is there um, a little known feature that BookFunnel offers that authors could be better using? Um, Probably the, the, I mean, we have a lot of, it's hard because we have a lot of authors that do use it, but we have a lot of authors now and we have a lot of authors that don't use our direct sales platform. And I would think probably the biggest reason that they don't use it is because so many authors now are using Kindle Unlimited. And once you put your book into KU, you're, you can't sell it, you know, yourself or through any other provider. Um, but what I, when I get up and I give talks and I go to conferences and things, and I, the thing I try to point out is that what you're probably what you're thinking of, and this is what I used to think of before I built the, the direct sales feature. What I used to think was direct sales was just yet, you know, one more place, one more way that you were going to sell your book. And it didn't seem like it was really all that worth it to me. You, you, you know, if your book is already available on Amazon, and if you go wide and you're available on Kobo and Google Play and Barnes and & Noble and all these other stores, then putting it up on your own website for the same price in the same book is just kind of well, here's one more place you can buy it. And I often tell authors that's that's not the best way that you could be leveraging the direct sales feature. So the authors that we've seen that are really using it well and effectively are thinking outside of that box and using it in different ways. Uh, we have authors that pre-sell the book before they put it into KU or before they put it up on all of the other platforms. And they say, hey, you know, you can buy it directly from me two weeks before I publish it everywhere else. And that's a really cool feature for readers and for authors. For authors, 
because you take over 90% of the sale price uh, when you sell it directly yourself. And for readers, because, I mean, your big super fans, they get their work two weeks before everybody else, and they absolutely love that. Everybody wants to feel like they're getting something special and not even at a discount. You know, your front list titles should almost never be discounted. So, But if you have real fans, people that are just champing at the bit and can't wait to get that new book, you don't have to sell it at a discount, but give it to them a couple of weeks early and they'll be pleased as punch. And then you get to take home the profits for that. And the argument against that that I hear is people saying, well, yeah, but then that might affect my sales. That would affect my sales rank. And my argument, my argument to that is if you have enough buyers that are actually going to move the needle on your sales rank, uh, that's probably a good problem to have. And instead, you should be shooting for the money because you can still work on that sales rank after the fact. You can do advertising. You, there are ways that you can get your sales rank up once the book has been published. But if you have those true fans that really love you and are absolutely willing to buy the book directly from you, you should be taking all of that profit for yourself. So direct sales is probably the, uh, the feature that we have that, and I will say again, a lot of authors are now using it for different ways like that. They're either selling short works directly, which short fiction doesn't do as well on, on the, the platforms because you have to charge $2.99 if you want to get a decent re return rate on that, if you want to get a, uh, a decent royalty rate. Um, but if you sell it direct, you can take 70% yourself and you can sell them for a buck. You know, you can sell your own short fiction, you can sell your own novellas and shorter fic shorter works like that for what most authors consider as a reasonable price for a short story without and taking that, that huge cut in the royalty rates. Um, and then there's all kinds of other ways that you can use it, which we'll move on to the next question because I don't want to take up all the time on that one. I was actually going to say that kind of surprises me because I, I mean, I use the direct sales so much. It's one of my favorite features at BookFunnel because, I mean, readers are already used to using BookFunnel. Mm -hmm. So why not, you know, get a little bit extra money from that? Um, and Lindsay, I'll go ahead and pass off to you now. I will say in answer to that, the authors who do use it, use it extensively. And so, but you ask for the, the feature that a lot of authors don't use. And it's the, like I said, the ones who use it, they, once they figure out what they can do with it, they use it all the time. Uh, but the authors who aren't, most of the time they're coming in and they're setting up a giveaway or they're setting up their reader magnet and things like that. And then they just sort of wander off. And I will say part of that is, is, um, we're trying to do a better job of outreach, of telling people about, hey, did you know that your book funnel account can do all this amazing stuff? Yeah, um, we actually have a bunch of questions later <laughs> for oh, good. How, how to, you're like teasing it, how to, if for somebody who hasn't done the direct sales, how to go about setting it up. Yeah. I don't want to jump the gun. We'll be all confused with three of us doing the interview if we go out of order. <laughs> so, I'm curious with the new uh, audiobook or not audiobook, but audio files up to two hours. Uh, I actually had a chance to try it out and use it, and it seemed to work well. Basically, they click a button and can download the MP3, or I think also listen to it on the site. Yeah, I'm curious if people, many people, are using it yet, and what are some of the ways you see authors using that to their advantage? Yeah, we, uh, that is one of those features that I think we even said in the blog post where we announced it. It's one of those features that we built it for X and within minutes, people are using it for Y and Z. Um, I always say that I love how creative indie authors can be with their, uh, with their works and the kinds of ideas that they come up with. And we try to build tools that let them experiment with those ideas. So we built the audio file feature and, and I'll, I'll, 
say that, you know, it is not audiobooks, not full-size, full-blown audiobooks. That's something that we are working on and we want to build. But this was a stepping stone into that. And the reason that we decided to build it was we had a number of authors contact us it, all in a really short period of time, basically asking for a feature like this, but for different reasons. Uh, children's books authors were putting out um, recordings of them of themselves reading their own books. So not in a, in a professional narrator, more like a bedtime story. And they were offering this as the reader magnet to get on a, on their mailing list. So, you know, when you're talking about children's books, I, I don't have a short story that I can give you to get your, it's either I give you my whole book or I give you nothing. But they found that if they, they were reading it, and these files were, I don't know, three to five minutes long. I mean, it doesn't, it didn't take very long to read these sort of children's books. And so that was something that they asked a, a group of children's books authors contacted us and asked us for that. And they, they were already doing this, but they were sending out their MP3s as Dropbox links. Um, then we got a group, we got a, um, an email from a group of romance authors who were doing serialized audio. They were putting out a new episode every week. Um, they'd hired a narrator and we're doing every week, we're putting out a new episode. They were all working on this together. And they were sending out Dropbox links to everybody. And I will tell you that that's exactly where we were when I built BookFunnel five years ago. When, I, when everybody is sending out e attaching emails and sending out Dropbox links, my, my radar goes up and says, something's not right here. And I think that we could probably do a better job of this. Um, and so the, the, within the first two days of releasing it, we had over 200 pieces of audio that authors had already uploaded. And the biggest things that I see are short audio, which there is not currently much of a market for that. But I know a lot of authors, even if they weren't creating original audio content, um, many of them had put their series in audiobooks, and they had these little short stories that they'd written along the way, you know, little short stories that kind of sprinkled in through the series, but they never did the short stories in audio because there wasn't a market. There was no way to put it. There was nowhere to sell it. There was nothing to do with it. And so it was kind of like, eh, I, you know, so here it is. I've got this 10 book series and I've got these, you know, four short stories and two novellas that are all part of that series. But while my listeners got to listen to the whole 10 book series, they didn't get arrested to all those other smaller pieces in audio because there just wasn't really a way to do it. And so immediately people, authors emailed us to tell us what a great idea it was. And they're already talking to their narrators to get them to narrate these short pieces of audio that they had these short stories and things that they had. Um, and then the one that I personally built it for was for samples. So uh, I am not an audiobook listener. My wife is an audiobook listener. And she would get really frustrated when she would go to Audible. And you would listen to the sample of the audiobook. And you, you couldn't even get... I mean, you, it's like a four-minute sample, a five-minute sample. You couldn't even get into the book. It would be like, you know... You know, and thank you to my lovely wife for allowing, you know, this wouldn't, this book couldn't have been possible without you. Chapter one. Thank you for listening to this sample on Audible. You may press it the rest of the book. You know, and, and now it's like you didn't even get into the chapter before you, you didn't even hear what it could sound like. And especially if you had a, if you did a multiple POV audio. So if you had a lot of romance, they do it. Well, they will do the, a female narrator for the female chapters and they'll actually use a male narrator for the male chapters but they never got to you know the the in the sample you never got to chapter two to actually know that there was a second narrator there and for people who love multiple narrators they missed out and for people who hate multiple narrators now they're mad when they actually purchase the book only to find that they didn't even know from the sample that it was going to be a multiple narrator book and so uh, now 
with the we allow up to two hours you can put as big a sample as you as you could possibly really want to put out there um you can put in a huge sample and you decide what you want your sample to be so if you have a really like a good gut punch of a hook at the end of chapter three then you want to end your audio sample right at the end of chapter three where they're then immediately prompted to go to their favorite audio store and buy the rest of the audio book yeah it seems like the audio has got tremendous utility uh and also like two hour is a good chunk like i've got a patreon and uh, i do a lot of short stories on it and there is an audio book level but it's just for like when i release a new full-length audio book people who support that level get it but uh two hours i mean it's the sort of thing you might consider narrating yourself two hours is not that yeah. hard uh but uh, on another topic um I literally hours ago just returned home from a tabletop gaming convention called PAX East. Uh, sorry, uh, PAX Unplugged. Uh, and uh, as you might imagine, if I had been motivated, this was, this was for, for pleasure, not for work. But if I had been motivated, I probably could have found a fair number of people at a tabletop gaming convention who wanted to buy books in fantasy and sci-fi. Uh, and I would have been face-to-face with them trying to give them digital devices, digital, you know, stuff, or lugging around heaps of paperbacks. So I understand BookFunnel has ways for us to physically hand out digital products. Is that true? Yeah, we have a feature that we built called Print Codes, and we built it for exactly this. It's, um, the idea was that, you know, authors go to live events like this, either you're at a conference, uh, either a writer conference, or in your case, you're going to a tabletop gaming convention, right? Um, and then we had authors that were doing library signings, they were doing book signings at small bookstores and things like that. And they wanted to take along their ebooks. Um, there are some bigger reader conventions here in the US that you can go to where people take uh, paperbacks where they actually, you know, they will take a hundred paperbacks with them, which if you've ever ha- held a hundred paperbacks in a box is, is actually pretty heavy and it takes a lot. And you've got to cart that on the airplane and take that with you. And they were looking for ways They're like, Hey, I would just love to be able to take my eBooks with me and be able to hand one out to a reader, but also give them the, the easy book funnel download experience that, that comes with that. And so we created print codes, which allows you to Upload your book to BookFunnel, create a batch of codes, as many as you want, 100 codes, 1,000 codes, 500 codes, print those out, and then take each of those codes and put them onto a business card, a bookmark, a postcard, really whatever you want. It doesn't matter. We don't, we don't do the printing. We're not involved in that piece. What we're giving you are the unique codes that you can then go have printed or you can print yourself. My wife made a lovely little help video to show authors exactly how to print these out themselves and how to put them on uh, whatever material that you want to put them on. And the cool thing about it is that each code is, is, is unique to that reader. So they get that code. And once they've redeemed their copy of that book, that's it. The code is dead and it can't be used again. And so if the card gets thrown away, nobody else is going to pick it up and get, oh, another free copy of your book. Um, and then also at the same time, you can put in, uh, you can optionally ask the reader at that moment when they go to redeem their free book or their paid book, if you wanted to sell a book, it's, it's, Almost everything you can do on BookFunnel is free or paid. You can flip back and forth. So you can absolutely take a, a pocket of cards with you and say, oh, you know, I set up a little table here. I sell my, my books. Um, I have an author friend of mine who goes to farmer's markets and, and craft fairs on the weekends. And she has a whole clapboard, you know, that, that, um, 
that she puts up in front of her booth that has all of her eBooks in, in printed out, just the book covers printed out as little postcards. And then when somebody purchases one, she takes one of the little code stickers and she sticks it on the back and they go home with that. And then they get home and they go to a little website and they type in their code and away they go, they've got their book. And then once they go to redeem their book, there's also a little checkbox that says, hey, would you like to follow Joe Lalo's newsletter and, and find out when there are new updates and new books available. And so they can check the little box and not only do they get their book, they can also join up with your newsletter. I feel like I need to start going to fewer author conventions and more reader conventions. So I could actually, that seems like an easy way to give away stuff. Like I, I can't do the hard sell. Like here's my $20 book, please buy it. Even though you've never heard of me, but I would be open to definitely giving away a free book one. I've seen the authors who use that. It's really successful. There's a there's a much bigger connection when you are talking to a person and you're seeing them face to face. And so there's a much uh, it's a bigger give first of all because it, it's really rare for us to walk around in our everyday lives and somebody just hand us something free. I mean, at least something of value, right? People will hand you all kinds of crappy stuff for free, but to actually hand you something of value. Um, if you meet a, a reader, you're just standing in line. At, I, I know friends of mine who've been standing in line at airports and struck up conversations. They're like, oh, I, I, I love space opera. That's what I read. And to sit there and go, oh, you know what? I think you'd really like my book. Here, let me give you a copy of it. They are far more likely to go download and actually read that book uh, than if somebody just signed up for your newsletter or signed up through a, a big group promotion and then got a copy of your book. Not to say that they wouldn't also read your book, but with that personal connection of, oh, wow, hey, I met a writer and they gave me a free copy of their book. I'm going to go check that out. Um, you get that little bit of deeper connection with Definitely. Uh, I'll be working the Whole Foods when I'm standing in line in the future. <laughs> if I see anybody wearing anything geeky. Like hey, man, you're only paying $90 for that banana. Let me give you a free book. That's right. <laughs> um, so I guess one of the core things uh, that BookFunnel is for, or how I use it for, is to deliver bonus material to newsletter subscribers. Um, I do, I've done short stories, prequel novellas, second epilogues. I'm curious if you've seen any creative things that people are doing that I should also be doing because clearly I'm missing out on it. I don't think so. You're doing a lot of the, the, the stuff that the authors are doing. The, the biggest ones that I've seen that work really, really well are the, the sort of second epilogues. And I say that the, the, the reason those work really, really well is the reader has just gotten to the end of the book. They've really enjoyed the story. And now you're offering them just a little bit more in exchange for signing up for your newsletter, which presumably if they, if they hated your book, then they're not likely to give a crap what happens next. And so they're going to, so the people that are signing up for your newsletter already are predisposed. They like what you're selling. They, they just finished your books and they really like what they read. So they want to hear more. The second one is the, the people that are willing to go through and, and want to download that, give up their email address to get that epilogue. Those are the kinds of readers that you're looking for. They care. They want to know more about your characters. They want to know more about your stories. And that's the kind of reader that you want. And then the third one is that that epilogue is really not useful to anybody who hasn't read your books. Nobody's going to give away a free epilogue and say, here, here's the epilogue of my eight book series if you'd like to read it. That, that's not useful to anybody. It doesn't, it's completely meaningless because if you don't know these characters, if you don't love these characters, then that extra 3,000 words of that epilogue is meaningless to you. And so it's a great uh, giveaway because it's not a freebie that people are like, 
Oh yeah, sure. I'll take that for free. Yeah, free short, free stories. I have free stories. Like, no, they. It's only meaningful to them if they get if they read the rest of the story. So that's a really good one. I, I love that you do exclusive content through short stories and things like that. That's a big, big one that I see authors doing really, really well with. Is this idea that you can, you know. For the cost, and we're talking about cost, you know, as an author, your time is money, but at the same time, this is what you do. So you, you sit down and you write words and you create stories and you make characters. And so uh, to sit down and write just like a 2000 word little short story and give that to your readers is really something special. And the, the biggest reasons I like it are number one, most of the authors, probably the biggest mistake that I see them making is that they go and they build up their newsletter, they build up this audience of people who love their stuff, and then they don't talk to them. They don't say anything to them. They don't use that list. They just, they're waiting around till their next book comes out. And then I'll email you when the next book comes out, except that that's the worst thing you can do. Because that tells the reader that the only time you're ever going to email me is when you're trying to sell me something, instead of you giving me something in return. And so the thing I love about a, a, a short story is if you don't know what to tell your readers, if you don't know what to say to them, and I will admit that this is me too. I don't, I don't have a lot to say. I don't have anything to talk about my cats. I don't post stories about my kids. Like I, I don't really know what to say. Um, but the cool thing is if you turn around every month and said, Hey guys, I, I wrote this cool short story that comes between book two and book three, thought you guys might enjoy it. Boom. That's it. That's all you have to say. You give them the free short and everybody will love you for giving out free short stories. Nobody's going to be like, what's this free story stuff? I thought you were going to tell me about your kids. Like nobody's ever said that ever. Right. And so they're, they're going to love that. And the cool thing is that at the end of the, at the end of the year, we have several authors that do this. They put out a free short story every month. It's, it's part of their world. It's part of their series. So in 2000 words, you don't have to provide any backstory. You don't have to set up the characters. They already know who they are. They're, they're on your newsletter. They're already reading your series. They already love your characters. So you've got 2,000 words of straight story. And then at the end of the year, they take those 12 stories, they box them up, and they put them up on Amazon and everywhere else. So if you're part of my newsletter, you get these cool short stories for free. But if you missed out, that's okay. You can still buy the anthology that I do at the end of the year every year. And then you have for the cost of a few thousand word short stories, you've made all of your readers happy and you have a product to sell at the end of the year. It, it's, it's just win-win. That's some great ideas there about that, that free short story thing. I mean, my readers, I do, I mean, I'm like, I'll give you a free short story and tell you about my kids. <laughs> right. No, you both go for it. Um, we're going to switch a little bit to talk again about in-person events. We've already talked a little bit about it, but just to talk a bit more, um, so you do attend a lot of events, and that's great. I've met you at, at a bunch of them. Um, what are the biggest reasons authors might want to go? Um, networking. And, and I know it's, it sounds so trite because everybody says it, but the truth is uh, the biggest reason that I go to the events as a, as a vendor, as BookFunnel, is to meet authors and get new ideas. I come back from conferences with all these amazing ideas because authors come up to me and say, Oh, I love BookFunnel. I use BookFunnel. You know what I really want to do is this, I have this idea for a promotion that does this. And then I go, Oh, that's a really good idea. I'm going to write that down and I can take that home with me. But then the other thing is, is meeting other authors and meeting, um, the people in the industry that you network with and you make friends with. And then when it comes time that you, 
you know, it's not always about asking for something, but that's one of the great benefits of knowing somebody and meeting them face to face is saying, Hey, I met you. I mean, I always tell people, if you meet me at a conference, email me, Damon at bookfunnel.com. It's pretty easy to, to find me. I'm not really clever with the whole names. So and if you email me and say, Hey, I met you at, at 20 books, or I met you at Nink and I, we talked about this and I had this question, I'll, I'll fire back an email. I'll answer you personally which I answer a lot of personal emails, but um, meeting me in person just gives you that little extra bit of gravitas that says, oh yes, I do remember you. That was really, really nice. So the networking is absolutely the biggest one. And um, you can learn a lot. And it's, it's, I will say going to, having been to a lot of these conferences, the hardest thing that I find for most authors is the conference, the level of people that go to most of these conferences varies widely. So you can have half the room have never published a book at all. And then you'd be sitting and sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people who make seven figures and six figures, six figures. <laughs> hey, pulled it around to the title of the podcast. Uh, uh, you can be sitting there right next to six figure authors. And if you are there and your goal is I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to these talks and I'm going to learn a bunch of stuff. That can be really useful, but you can also have to sit through a lot of talks that are absolutely way below your level, or even some, depending on where you are, that are way above your level. You know, if you don't have book one published and you're sitting in on that sweet talk about AMS and Facebook ads, you might be getting a little ahead of yourself. But oftentimes, that's what you're doing at the conferences. You're sitting there and you're listening. I think a lot of people go with the idea that I'm, I'm excited about these talks. I'm going to go listen to this person speak and this person speak. And those can be really, really useful. And you can come away with a lot of great information. But don't forget to stop and talk to all the other authors. I know that we all get tired and we get some of the introverts, obviously not me, some of the introverts get tired and listen, finish the conference, go upstairs, take a couple hours to recharge and then go back down to the bar and hang out. Even if you don't drink, I'm not a big drinker, but hang out in the bar because that's where most of the authors are drinking. Uh, That's where everybody's hanging out. And that's where you're going to meet people. That is where you're going to talk with people. That is where you're going to make relationships. And you never, ever know which person you talk to, which relationship you made that is going to end up being a huge benefit to you later on in your author career. Yeah, that's certainly something that I've like, I've a fairly recent addition to my, to my, author toolkit is going to conventions uh, and, and conferences. And it, I have learned a great deal that like meeting these people, meeting people in, per, in person makes a difference. But uh, one of the things about in-person events is, is uh, it's what Joanna Penn would call non-scalable. Like you can, you go there once and you get your, your payback once. Uh, how would you suggest authors weigh the comparative value of like going to an event versus staying home and writing? Um. I mean, if you're, if you're a writer, if you're really doing this and this is your career and you're planning to make this a business, you should be writing, I mean, every day, as much as you possibly can, but every day. And I would probably look at it as, I, I know a lot of offices, uh, Nink is one of the big, con- Novelist Inc. is one of the big conferences we go to every year. And that's in, um, it's usually around the end of September in Florida. They do it in St. Petersburg, Florida every year. And I know that most of my author friends that go there, they go there to learn. But that's also one of their big vacations of the year. Like there's a reason why Nink holds it in Florida every year at this big resort and you can bring the family and do whatever you want to do. So uh, if you're writing every single day, if you're really like writing as a business, as an author, and this is your career, um, I would look at it as both. I would look at it as 
you're not really taking time away from your writing. You're taking some education time to go and learn new things. Uh, and at the same time, you're having a little bit of vacation and you're doing this networking and you're meeting these other authors. Um, I think for me, some of the biggest tips that I have heard when I go to conferences are not from the talks at all. It's from the network. It's from meeting from the other, meeting the other authors and going, Ooh, you write space opera. How is that series going for you? Are there any changes that you would have made? Uh, and they say, Oh, well, you know, I did it. I released them like that. I released them every, you know, three weeks. And it turned out that I could have released them every five weeks and they would have stayed in the charts longer. Little tips like that and things that you pick up are going to be hugely instrumental in growing your author business. And, Writing is always great. And, but I know authors, I mean, I, I see them all the time. I know authors personally that I tease them, but they go to these conferences and they still get their words in. They go every day, they, they sit up in their room and they either wake up a little bit early and they knock out 3,000 words before they go to the conference. They finish at the conference. You know, most of these conferences will finish up at maybe 5 p.m. And then people start eating dinner around 7, 7.30. They'll go back to their room and they'll knock out their words before dinner. Or they'll go knock them out before they head to the bar. Like there's, there's no reason that you, that they're not mutually exclusive. Going to a conference doesn't mean that you have to stop your writing. A lot of the, especially the writers that I know that really do for them, this is their business, this is their work, this is what they do. They go to their conferences, they bring that laptop, and they still get their words done. Yeah, I, I, well, I admire that. Yeah. Uh, I am not one of those people. However. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I would ask is, is, uh, it seems like, uh, in-person events might have different value for people in different genres, like nonfiction, for example, seems like in-person events would be a, a huge, potentially even money-making opportunity for you. Sure. Uh, and we have a lot of, so one of the, one of the features, one of the smaller features that we have on BookFunnel that a lot of people don't use, we call gift a book. And it, it literally is just put in an email address pick one of the books that you have uploaded on BookFunnel, tap a button, and it sends an email and says, hey, here's a copy of my book. We have a lot of nonfiction authors that use that feature because as you're walking around at conferences, as you're walking around meeting people, you meet somebody, you talk, and you go, oh, you know what? I think you would really, I think my book would really help you. Let me send you a copy. What's your email address? Tap, 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 boom, right from your smartphone, you send them a copy of that book. And it goes directly to them, and then we help them get their book delivered to their devices. So uh, there are probably, I would say that I haven't actually met any nonfiction authors at most of the author events that I've been to. They are strictly focused, not strictly focused, but they're primarily focused around people selling fiction. There are entirely different conferences and entirely different conference tracks for nonfiction authors. But I will say that, yeah, if you were... If you were a nonfiction author writing in the publishing space, then obviously going to a an author conference is a great way for, to drum up business because everybody in here is a potential client of yours. Um, but as a as a fiction author, reader conferences is where you would go to find and meet readers. Like you know, you, you it's funny you go to an author conference and everybody's got books. Everybody's they're authors. That's what they're here for. And so offering up, even though we're all readers too. I, I don't need you to pitch me your book, you know, when we're at an author conference. I've, I've got my books, you've got your books. Let's, let's talk about how our books are similar, how they're different, how your readers respond to your books. I want to hear more about what you're doing with your books that might help me sell more of my books. That um, nonfiction um, author convention is probably the Tony Robbins one that Lindsay was talking about last week for $30,000. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. For those authors who do attend in-person events, what are some good ways to get readers to buy books, ebook or print? For like reader conferences? 
Yeah, reader conferences. Well, I mean, writer conferences too, because some of the writer conferences that are out here are, and a couple of them are really big, they are mostly beginner writers who are there mostly because they love the authors who are attending. Um, in those cases, so I, we, I had an author approach me that was going to a, a big, uh, reader conference and everybody was, you know, you're, you're expected to set up a little table and you sit at the little table and the, and the readers go by and they pick up copies of your books and things like that. And, uh, she actually, so she had, she'd ordered all of her print books and they ended up not shipping in time. So then now she's in a panic because she has no books to take with her. Well, she does, she remembered, aha. I remember Book Funnel had that thing that they talked about last year. So she went and she actually, this was, I met her at a conference last year in, or earlier this year in March and she was telling me the story. And she, uh, so she went, she used the print codes feature and she printed up a stack of, of just used her post, her book cover on a postcard. She printed up a stack of postcards and she put her little print codes on them and then took that stack with her. And as she was sitting at the table, so everybody is, is handing out their books and everybody's selling their books and doing whatever. Um, she's one of the only ones in the room who doesn't have paperback books because they didn't ship on time. So she's sitting there with their eBooks. Um, but she was giving away a ton of eBooks, A, because she has a huge stack of them. A lot of the authors of paperbacks are just running out. You, you can only carry so many physically before you're going to run out of space because their paperbacks are heavy and they take up space. Whereas you can print a thousand postcards and take those with you and just tuck them into the bottom of your, of your uh, suitcase. So the cool thing was that not only was she giving away a ton more books than most everybody else, but um, readers later, she had people come up to her and say, like, I just want to tell you, I thank you for giving away eBooks. You know, don't tell any of the other authors, but a lot of these paperbacks, we're just going to leave them in our room. We don't have room in our suitcase to take them home. Like they had actually gotten so many books that they, the readers themselves could not take all of the paperbacks home. But the eBook, it's just a tiny little card. I'll just tuck that into my, my suitcase and I'll take that on home with me. Um, as far as the selling to readers, readers go to those conferences. If they already know you and they already love you, you absolutely should take books with you, be it print, paperbacks, hardbacks, or, or ebooks, however you want to do it. Um, a lot of it depends on your genre. Most romance readers, for example, are all in the bag for ebooks. Like they, the, 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 the big romance readers, the ones who are the really voracious romance readers, they don't hardly touch a paperback anymore. And so uh, having, having multiple formats available, if you can possibly do that, if you can take a stack of paperbacks and you can take your eBooks with you, um, you're going to sell exactly what the reader wants. If that reader is interested in eBooks, I got you covered here. I, you can buy the eBook for five bucks. Oh, you like the paperback? Well, the paperback is nine ninety five or whatever, but I also have some of those until I run out of them. The eBooks you almost never have to run out of. If you just print, uh, you, if you just print your codes up and you take cards with you, I mean, you can have thousands of them if you really want to take them with you. And you could, or you could print up just a hundred copies of each of them and take them with you. The readers that are there, they're already looking to buy or they're already looking to get, I mean, give them a free one and nobody's going to say no, not at a reader conference. Put it on a little bookmark, print up, you know, uh, uh, slim bookmarks and put your little print code on there for a short story or the better yet, the first book in your series and hand those out. If they buy another book of yours, tuck that bookmark in and say, you know what, here's another book of mine that I think that you might like. It's the first book of a series that, that I really, that a lot of readers really like. Let me give you the first one for free. Check that right there in the book for you. So, uh, you know, be creative about it. The, the thing that I tell people is that when you go to live in-person events, those readers are there to meet you. Um, and oftentimes, I've, I've seen authors that said that the funniest part was 
if they're in line, a lot of times the readers are in line for the big author. You know, they're, they're all standing in a line because they want to go meet the big author that's the, one of the two of the big authors that are there is the draw, right? But the thing is, while they're standing in that line, they're also standing at your table because they typically the lines will run past the other authors' tables. So while they're standing there next to your table, strike up a conversation. Ask them like, oh my God, are you are you in line for such and such? Of course they are, but that's a great you know icebreaker. Like I love her books. Uh, she she made me want to be a writer, and I wanted to start writing. Make that personal connection, and most of the times the readers absolutely want to hear about what you've got to offer because it doesn't you don't strike it up as a sale pitch. You're not sitting there going, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. No, you're sitting there going, hey, like you know, oh my god, yes, I absolutely loved her. This book of hers was my absolute favorite. It made me want to write this story, this series that I wrote, and get, make that personal connection. Anytime you can make a personal connection like that, you have a far, far greater chance of making a sale or finding a new reader than just randomly running Facebook ads or AMS ads, and you're just you're just throwing money into the wind and trying to catch people. And that works too. You should be doing that stuff too. But if, you, if you've taken the time to go to an author conference in person, then put yourself out there a little bit and, and talk to those readers. Every reader there is a reader who wants to buy books. That, that's why they're there. I think this is good information, but you may be horrifying the introverts in the audience. <laughs> like, you, want me to, you want me to talk to a stranger standing in front of my table? I can't do it. <laughs> but... So I did tease that we were going to ask you some questions about selling direct for people yes. who are interested in that and getting maybe 90% or more of the earnings on that. Um, before we jump in, could you talk about, I guess, what the logistics are right now? Because you guys, BookFunnel has made this a little simpler. Mm -hmm. um, how, are people, how are people going about it? So we, the, the way we designed it is... Um, we created a feature called delivery actions, and that is uh, that is what direct sales are built upon. But BookFunnel isn't the actual seller of the book, and we're not involved in the sale of the book. So we we chose five platforms to integrate with, which were PayPal, Sells, um, PayHip, WooCommerce, and Shopify. So, I mean, WooCommerce is the biggest DIY solution. So, if you have a WordPress website set up and you want to really sell from your own website, then WooCommerce is the way to go. Uh, Shopify, I mean, they're the, they're the second largest retailer in the world after Amazon. So setting up a Shopify store and putting up your books, paperbacks or eBooks, whatever you want to sell, you can sell anything through Shopify. Um, you can set all that stuff up and, and really logistically, all you do is connect those two together. So you come to your BookFunnel account and you connect it to your Shopify uh, through a process that we have set up. And we have videos that will walk you through all of that in our knowledge base. So once you have the two connected, you have your, your WooCommerce or your Shopify store or your PayPal are connected to BookFunnel. Every time you make a sale, that sends a, a notification to BookFunnel that a sale was made. And the cool thing about that is the way that we designed it is number one, we're not a part of the sale at all which means you have still have that direct connection with your reader. You are dealing directly with them um, as far as the sale is concerned. Two, we don't take a cut of the sales, uh, not a single penny. We don't have anything to do with that. If you have a book funnel account, you're covered. We, we handle all the delivery for your books. It's all part of, uh, it's all included with the book funnel accounts that you've already paid for. Um, and three, I forgot what three was. I had a third one, I promise. Uh, the, uh, sales. Um, oh yeah, we don't actually care what you sell. Um, you can sell anything that you want, and 
as long as when, when it reaches the book funnel side and we get a notification and it says, here is the SKU or the item ID, the item number that we sold. And over on BookFunnel, you've set up a delivery action that says, when item ID one is sold, I want you to deliver this ebook or this set of ebooks. We have multi-book delivery actions as well. So you can put six, eight, 10 books, whatever you want to put into a single delivery action. So over on your website, you've set up a multi-book box set of your entire series of 10 books. But when they actually purchase that item and it gets to BookFunnel, BookFunnel delivers 10 individual books. So you don't have to go through and create a gigantic 10 book box set file. You can just give them all 10 books. Um, but over on your website, you actually sold it as a single item. But you can sell anything you want. You can sell a coffee mug and say, hey, Anything you buy in my store comes with a free short story that I do, that will be delivered via book funnel. So they buy a coffee mug, a tote bag, anything that they want. And when it reaches our, when it reaches the book funnel side, we deliver whatever you told us to deliver with that item ID. Uh, we have a number of authors that will actually they they've created their own. Is it Amazon calls it Amazon Match? Music Match? Music Maker? I don't know. Whatever the uh, the one where like they actually sell paperbacks and in, in many cases signed paperbacks so so really specialty sort of items from their store so you can buy this really sweet you know signed edition paperback that that you can get from their store and you can buy that and by the way any paperback that you buy you automatically get the ebook delivered for free and so when they buy the paperback over here it shoots over and book funnel sends them an email and says here's your ebook so we have authors that will actually pre-sell their paperbacks and those signed paperbacks before they publish the book everywhere. They put out that paperback a couple of weeks early as a collector's edition. So not only do the readers get it early, two weeks early, they also get the ebook two weeks early so that they can immediately start reading. Even as you're still taking the books and signing them and boxing them up and shipping them out, they start reading their book immediately as soon as the purchase is completed because they get that email ebook delivery, even though now they're waiting on their cool collector's edition paperback. You've kind of anticipated my my question. And uh, just to clarify, it sounds like people are not having much luck if all they're doing is sort of replicating the Amazon storefront. Like, here's my books one through eight in my series. Please buy them on my website instead of from Amazon because it's always going to be easier for them to get it from their preferred store. I It is always... And I, I, that is absolutely true. It's always going to be easier for them to get it from the store that owns the device or the app that they're using. So if they read in the Kindle app, I, it, I can do the best job in the world and I still can't make it as easy as Amazon makes it because they own the device. They own the app. They own the store experience. I will say, however, that I have been proven wrong many times from authors that are doing exactly what you just said. Um, and the sometimes a simple call to action that says, hey, Here's my book. It's available on all of these bookstores. It's also available direct from me. And if you buy it direct from me, I get a, a little bit more of the sale. And readers respond to that, especially the readers who are your true fans. We, one of the things I tell people is that we answer three, 400 emails a day. Like we, we talk to a lot of readers all the time. And uh, I am often, when I built a sales feature, I thought it was going to be just a big waste of time that readers don't want to buy direct from authors. They don't want to buy from your website. They don't want to mess with all that. They only want to buy from Amazon. They want to buy from Kobo. They want to buy from their favorite bookstore. But the truth is, is that very few people actually love their bookstore more than they love their authors. Um, they love 
you guys. They love their authors and they email us to tell us all the time, oh my God, I love Janie's books. I buy directly from her because I don't want to give my money to Amazon. I want it to go to her. And I was surprised by how many times readers would reach out to us just to tell us something like that. Tell us how much they love their authors. And that's the truth. Nobody reads a book and goes, man, what a great book. I'm so glad I bought that on Amazon. Like they don't give a crap. They love the book. They love the author that they just read. And so many readers, they, they really will. They will with a, with a simple plea that says, hey, listen, I, I make my books available everywhere or my books are available on Amazon or whatever, however you want to do it. Um, but I get a little bit bigger cut. I get a little bit more of the sale if you buy directly from me. There are absolutely fan, readers, especially your super fans, who would rather the money go directly to you. I have had, uh, I've had people uh, contact me and ask me what's the way that benefits me most for them to make a sale. And I'm like, well, you know, financially, uh, a direct sale. At the time I had a direct sale, uh, in place it was not what you're offering because you weren't <laughs> offering it yet <laughs> and uh I was like it technically directly for me is the most beneficial uh, i guess if we we're talking about ranks you could buy it on your favorite store but yeah there's absolutely people who like bring it up to you how can i put more money in your pocket without taking an extra money out of my pocket sure um all right so like obviously hopefully by now people are interested in uh, uh you know direct sales and, and selling direct from their site but uh, and you've addressed sort of the complexity uh, issue. Like there's ways that it can be set up uh, uh, pretty easily, but there's like, you're basically, you're, you're, you're a whole nother business now. Like you've already been a self, uh, you know, you're already a small business as a, 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 an individual publisher if you're an indie author, but now mm -hmm. you're, you're a retailer and there's things to worry about like taxes and, and stuff like that. Like how is that sort of stuff handled? Is there, are there potential pitfalls there? Um, if you go through stores like Shopify and sells, they actually have all of that stuff set up. So they will, uh, they'll ask you questions like what, you know, Oh, where are you? I'm in the U I'm an author in the U S okay. What state are you in? And then they will handle the collecting of us sales tax. Uh, many times they will collect the tax for you, give you the money and then, it's up to you to remit the sales tax, which is actually not as complicated as you might think it is. Most states have a really simple website where you just go and quarterly remit your sales tax. I am not an accountant and I'm not a lawyer, so I'm going to preface by saying that this is all what we have found in our research when we have looked into all this stuff because we get these kinds of questions all the time. Uh, the biggest one that people get are, are afeard of is, is VAT, the value-added tax out of, out of your, the European Union. And for that, we tell people, yeah, you should go uh, PayHip is one of the programs, one of the software that we integrate with. And if you go and you sell your books through PayHip, they handle the collection of that and they handle actually paying all of the VAT tax for you. So over there, it's, it's no different than putting up your book on Amazon or anyplace else. You're putting up your book and for that privilege, they take an extra 5%. So you're still getting a, a, a much greater chunk of the sale than you would on any of the bookstores available. But for people in the European Union, if, if you're doing sales to European Union citizens, they have handles all of that VAT tax for you. When it comes to collecting US sales tax, um, if you set up a WooCommerce site, there are plugins. There's WooTax. Um, there's another one that links with TaxJar, which is a, a big uh, tax company that handles all the rules and laws for that sort of stuff. And um, if you go through and you just, it's really kind of plug and play. You add the WooTax plugin and it says, okay, what, what's, where do you have a fancy tax term, a nexus? But essentially, 
where do you live? And if I, and for example, I live in Texas. So my tax laws are very simple. Anybody in the state of Texas that I sell to, I have to collect sales tax on. Anybody outside of the state of Texas, I do not have to collect sales tax on. And so, and, and PayPal has a setup for that. WooCommerce has a setup for that. Shopify sells. They all have some setup for that where you just go through and answer a few simple questions about where you live and who you're selling to. And they will usually take care of a lot of that stuff for you. I'm not going to say it's always easy, um, but taxes are one of those things that everybody goes, I don't know. Uh, but the truth is, it's not as hard as it, as it seems once you start looking at it. Yeah, I imagine it's one of those things where it might be a kind of a pain to originally set everything up, but then once you know the ropes, it's probably not that bad. I admit one of the reasons I use Patreon to deliver, <clears throat> excuse me, early copies is that Patreon handles all the tax stuff. So yeah, uh, I'm still using BookFunnel for delivery, uh, but it's almost like they're just taking the role of whatever pay hip or one of these. Um, but it, it can be a little off-putting for listener readers who are like, Patreon, what is that? Am I, do I have to pay every month? Whereas I'm actually doing it where they only have to pay when I put out a book. Right. Sometimes every month, but, <laughs> but not always. Come on, bro. It's every month. Um, but what are your thoughts on? I know you guys have added Patreon integration too. Um, I still haven't looked into. I'm doing it <laughs> back way, you know, like the way you didn't have an integration when I started. So I was just like, here's my book funnel link. Um, but you've added something to make it a little easier, I believe. Yeah. So the way that we actually had a lot of authors that were already using Patreon, and what they would do is they would either for exclusive content, they say, "Hey, if you're if you're if support me at any level, I have a free short story I write every month. Um, if you support me per work, which is is what you're doing is the pay per work model, then um, you get a copy of my books, you know, early before I publish them everywhere else. And uh, what you're probably doing, and what most of the authors were doing is they would put together a download link that says, you know, here's the link where you can go and get your copy of the book. And, and honestly, that works great. That was the initial thing that all of BookFunnel was built on, was a simple download page. They could go, they click on it, and they say, and we help them, we ask them what device they're trying to read on, and we help them get their book. Uh, the problem with that model was, or the problem with using a simple download page is also that anybody who took that link and then shared it with anybody else, that person could also get a copy. So if somebody... Hopefully, people supporting you on Patreon are not jerks, but if somebody was a jerk and decided that they just wanted to go hand out free copies to everybody, all they have to do is pass that link along, and now anybody else who comes along to that page can also get a copy. So we had a few of the Patreon authors reach out to us and ask if we could make that process better. And so we did. We integrated with Patreon. And what our Patreon integration does is you go to BookFunnel and you create a restricted download page that says, I am restricting this page to only people who support me on Patreon at level three or above. So you can actually, we, we show the levels of your Patreon. I think yours are named after like the bronze, silver, gold, platinum. I choose to assume dragons. Dragons, but, of yes. course. <laughs> and so uh, you can uh, you can say, oh, if you want my if you support me at the bronze level, then you get my free short stories, but you don't get the free no the novels that are published. And so you go to the create the restricted download page on BookFunnel, and you say this page is restricted to people who support me on Patreon at the gold level or higher. And then when you, then you take that link and you give that to everybody in your Patreon. Now, what's cool is you could just pass that to everybody on the gold level. So automatically, everybody who receives the link is already going to be of the level enough necessary enough to get the book. Or you could just generally kind of post it to everybody and say, hey, the new book is out. It's really amazing. I hope everybody loves it. If you support me at the gold level, then you can download your copy here. 
What's cool is if somebody clicks through that's not at the gold level and clicks to download that, BookFunnel says, hey, great, you know, thanks for the book or whatever message you put on your page. We just need to verify your Patreon first. So we bounce them through to Patreon. They've logged in and Patreon tells us what level they're supporting you at. And then if they're not supporting you at the gold level, we say, oh, it looks like you're not supporting Lindsay at the at the the high enough level to receive this book. However, if you click here and upgrade your uh, your level, you can get this book right now. And or if somebody took that link and shared it with somebody else and sent it to their mom and said, "Here, mom, go get a copy of this free book," it would say, "Hi, uh, it doesn't look like you're currently a, a patron of Lindsay Baroker. Click here to become a patron at the gold level or above, and you can get this book right now." And so we, all that messaging is already in there. And then of course, if they're not, if they're not supporting you at all, they're not going to get the book. So we, we do all that checking in advance to make sure that they're actually on your Patreon at the level that you've requested before we allow them to get the book. It is embarrassing how often there is a better, more official and more secure way to do something. And then I'm just not doing it that way. <laughs> it's just an option that I have and I'm not doing. So I, uh, I'll have to go through and flip the appropriate switches to have my Patreon be more appropriate. But um, all right. So we already talked a little bit about how like if you're selling enough books directly uh, that it's affecting your rankings and you're probably not too worried because that's an awful lot of books. But uh, how big of a part of someone's business do you think direct sales should be? Is it something that someone should be actively building or is it something that should always sort of be a, an add-on and just a, just a, a bonus area? The most successful authors in the book funnel that are using direct sales are not actually setting up bookstores with all of their books. Though you can absolutely do that, and we have a lot of authors that do, the ones that I see that are using it the most effectively are actually using it for things outside of their usual book sales. Things like selling short stories or novellas, things that they've written with to go, you know, exclusive companion material that goes along with the series or goes along with the world they're working in. Uh, the biggest, some of the bis biggest successes that I've seen are authors who are direct selling box sets. So they don't actually box the books up on the various bookstores. Uh, and often, you know, for Amazon, the, the reason's obvious. Once you get beyond the $10 level, Amazon cuts your royalty rate in half. And so if you say, hey, listen, uh, I have this 10 book box set and I'm selling it here directly from my website as a full 10 book box set at a huge discount if you buy it directly from me. Then now the author, the reader can come through and get all 10 books at way less than they would have paid if they had individually bought those books. Or even if you, if you had a, say a Lindsay Baroker nine book series and you box them up as three books of the three box sets of three, because of course you're not going to box, generally you're not going to box up nine books and sell them for $10. You might do that as like a really short term discount, but you definitely wouldn't want to cut into your sales that much by selling 10, bu 10 books for, for, or nine books for 10 bucks. But on Amazon, the minute you tip over that $10 point, that $9.99, you just cut your royalty rate in half. You can now sell the box set for $20. So essentially asking your reader to pay $10 more, and you're still getting only as much as you would have gotten if you had charged $9.99, which sucks. You're asking your reader to pay more and you're not getting any more for it. But if you took that same box set and you sold it yourself, you could sell that box set at 20 bucks. And at 20 bucks, you take, what is that? 
three, 60 cents, 90 cents, you would take home $19 and 10 cents on a $20 sale. So you now have the opportunity to box that set up and sell it in a way that you actually wouldn't really want to sell it on the bookstores because I'm selling it direct to my fans, to the people that want to buy that set. Um, and then you can also do fun things like here, here's the whole box set. Also, it also includes all of the prequels, epilogues, and short stories in order exactly as the way that the series was written. And you can put something like that together and sell that directly from your website to your readers. Uh, we had an author who, um, trying to think how much of the story I can tell without revealing anything. We had an author at the beginning of the year who took an eight book box set uh, of a backlist series. So it was a series that they, that they had already completed and had been completed for several years. And it was all backlist stuff. And the sales were bumping along in a few a day. And it was doing fine. They took the eight book box set at the beginning of the year and offered it up directly to their newsletter for 15 bucks. So 15 bucks for an eight book set in the same genres that they were already writing in. So a lot of the people, because that series had finished several years ago, a lot of the people on their newsletter, they had come along since then and had never actually read that first series, the, the series that they published and finished years ago. They've been reading all the frontless titles and the new books that they come out, but they never read this series. So they took and they leveraged that newsletter that they built, that thing that you're supposed to be doing after you actually build the newsletter, you know, that step two to the profit thing, um, and sold this eight book box set for $15. And made way over six figures in sales of that box set of a, of a series of backlist titles that weren't actually making a ton of money because well they were i mean they're bumping along but they're older books you know most readers are only even noticing when you're putting out new frontlist titles so all of those older backlist titles they are they're not even being seen by most of the readers who are signing up or most of the readers who are reading your new stuff except that They've never read that series. You know, they're, they're in the book industry, you're always fond of saying, it's new to you. And so here's this whole series. And what's even better is it was a complete set. I mean, he, he hadn't published any new books in that series in years. So series readers absolutely love to know when a series is complete. They want to know that that series is done. It's done. We're not going to do any more books in it. You can buy this whole box set. And the minute you put it on your device to start reading from book one to the end of book eight, you are going to get a great, great story. That's all the way to from beginning to end for 15 bucks. That's awesome. And I love doing those box sets myself. Um, I haven't had them be that awesome, but, <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, book funnel offers authors a ton of awesome data. Um, what sorts of things would an author benefit from tracking? Um, I, so the first thing I tell people all the time is, um, once you upload your book to book funnel, you can create as many landing pages, which is how people, how you send people either a newsletter, sign up or a download page or a sales page or whatever it is. Ultimately, you're going to give readers a link to go to, to go and get their book. However, they're going to get it, either buying it from you or getting it free. However, they're going to do it. You can create as many of those as you want. Uh, so when you upload, let's say you've got book one of a series, um, or let's say you've got a prequel novella. Right, So you, you have a, a series running and you've got a prequel novella that you're offering and that's your cookie to get people, your reader magnet to get people onto your newsletter. You should use a different link for each place that you might send out that prequel. Let's say that it's a, just for simplicity, say you've got a three book series. And so at the back of each of those three books is your, your, your ask, your call to action that says, Hey, join my newsletter, get the prequel that tells you how it all started, how the heroes came together before book one started. Don't use the same page link in the back of all three books, put a different one 
into each book. Because now I know when you sign up for my list, which book you came from. And that tells me where you were in the series before you decided that you wanted to pick it up, before you decided you wanted to pick up the novella. I know that you read the whole three book series. Hey, you know what you'd really like? The next series that came up. Because you you already got to the end of book three. So now I know that you're not somebody who just randomly picked a book and picked up the book and decided, you know what, I think I'll get that freebie. I know that you read all three of my books because that's the link that you came from. And you can pass all that data through to your newsletter to your mailing list. So when you when they actually sign up to a book funnel, you can pass along the that they came from book three and you can send that along so that now I can use that and I can say, I want to target people that actually read through book three. Uh, we had a fantasy author that that gave away a free short story at the end of every one of their books. And so the, the book was, it's not an epilogue. It was a short story that would come between each of the books. So he was writing, um, he was writing big doorstopper fantasy, right? So if you're, if you're, for those of you who aren't familiar with fantasy books, cause this is not the science fiction and fantasy marketing podcast, then uh, fantasy readers and fantasy authors put out these giant 200,000 word, 180,000 word doorstopper novels, right? And they can take a little bit longer to write than, than, than obviously something's a little bit shorter. So he was putting out these, these short stories at the end of each book, and they were part of his newsletter sign-up. So you go through and you sign up for the newsletter, you get the short story that comes between book one and book two. Then you get to the end of book two, and you get the short story that comes between book two and book three. So it was a little bit of tide over while he's still working on the next book. But we reached out and said, hey, that's, you know, or he, he emailed us to ask us a question. And I thought, I wrote him back and just said, hey, I thought I, I saw what you were doing with your books because we, we look into that stuff. We're like, what kind of promotions are authors running? What are they doing? And what can we learn from that? So I emailed him back and said, hey, that was really cool. I, I thought it was cool that you were giving out a free short story. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, you know, what's really cool about that is I know exactly where a reader is in my series by which short story that they've downloaded at the end of each book. Because I can see as they're going through the series, how many books did they pick up? Because if you're already on his list, well, then you're not signing up. You're just getting another copy. But BookFunnel still gives you all the data. You have the email addresses of the people who downloaded that story, even if they were already on your list. And he said, what's even better is I know how fast they're reading through my series. I can see them downloading the short stories because they would come between the books. Well, series readers are completists. They don't want to miss a piece. They don't want to miss a bit of the action that might have happened between book through one, one and book two. So they get the little short story, they read that, then they jump in and they start reading book two. So for the cost of a couple thousand word short story, he was actually tracking how quickly readers were reading through the story. And then sometimes where a reader stalled, they got to the end of book three, they download the short story and it doesn't look like they ever made it to book four. So, hey, I might target a little email that says, hey, did you know book four was on discount this week? That's good stuff. And like, uh, I think a lot of people miss, like underestimate the value of, of data, of just knowing exactly what people are doing and how. Um, like what we're talking about here is like tracking, like like we just know link behavior. Like we gave a specific link and anything like that. I know that often there's things like Facebook pixels and stuff. Uh, is that is that uh, involved in BookFunnel as well? Sure. You can put your Facebook pixel on any page on BookFunnel and we track multiple events. So if you if you had just a, uh, if you have a giveaway or if you, we used to call them giveaways. Now we call them opt-in landing pages. So you have an opt-in landing page and you're sending people through to sign up for your newsletter and then ultimately click through to get their book. 
If you were driving, you don't have to drive Facebook ads, but the Facebook pixel obviously is more valuable to you if you are driving Facebook ads. And so uh, what you can do is you can send people from a Facebook ad through to your signup page and BookFunnel tracks that event with your Facebook pixel. So you get a ping, Facebook gets a ping back that says, hey, you know, this person clicked through and landed on the page. Then when they actually sign up, another event is sent through to Facebook to let them know, to let Facebook and you know that they actually went through and signed up. So you have all that data. You can now track how many, not just how many people click through on your ads, but how many people are actually signing up for the book once they get to the other side. And then Facebook is not giving you the, the data telling you who those readers are. You simply have numbers. You have statistics telling you, you know, X percentage of people that click through the page went on to complete the sign up. But what Facebook will let you do is create a new targeting a target create a new ad campaign to target say for example the people who clicked through but didn't actually complete signing up you can create a new audience from those people and send them a new ad that might get them to go through and sign up again or maybe a different offer of a different book maybe a different book one in a series that they might otherwise like because they clicked through to the page and then for whatever reason they decided not you also get a lot of interesting data like wow um you know a hundred a thousand people clicked through to my page and three people signed up. I wonder if my landing page is not doing a very good job of converting. I actually just made a uh, giveaway on BookFunnel using for the first time the Facebook Pixel. So mm -hmm. in 2020, I'm going to be high speed and actually, like, I have it on my website and I never look at the data, you know, so I'm actually going to use it <laughs> and get better at uh, crafting ads for the people that I already know have purchased some of my books or downloaded them because who better, you know, to like, like you were saying with a guy who, you know, had old backlist series that he boxed up after you get so many books out there, it's, it's always going to be easier to sell to somebody who already enjoyed one of your series than to get a new fan. Sure. All right. So we are, have had you for an hour here. So I think we're just going to ask maybe another question or two before we let right. you, you probably have a D and D game to uh, prep for nah, I did, before the show. I did, nah, I did two of them this weekend. I'm already good. All right. Excellent. Well, the, I was just curious at the end, you know, I know you guys handle a lot of uh, customer emails, customer support. I, I've heard your famous impressions of uh, <laughs> some of potential uh, people contacting you. But I'm curious if there's anything we as authors are, are not doing or could be doing better that, you know, comes up a lot in <laughs> the emails that you get. Uh, you know, I don't know. Are we confusing people at all or? Um, I would say probably the biggest one is, I mean, I mentioned it before, but not talking to readers. And I, I get that because I, when I go to author conferences, I, I would say that it is probably 85% introverts and 15% everybody else. And so I get that the writing, the career of author is very attractive to the introverts. Number one, they spend a lot of time with themselves, which, with themselves, which means they spend a lot of time in their heads and they come up with amazing stories. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it makes them, for a lot of them, it's really difficult to talk to people. And so uh, I, I, I talk about this a lot, but it's it really is the biggest mistake that I see authors doing is not so much what they're saying, but the fact that they're not saying anything at all. And so that would be the first one. Um, and uh, be yourself. I think if you if I can plug one book, it would be Newsletter Ninja by Tammy LeBrecht. Tammy LeBrecht. 
And uh, she doesn't pay me to say that. I just think her book is fantastic because she's really, really good at sussing out what readers want and then telling authors how to deliver that. And the biggest thing that you can do is absolutely be yourself. If you are the kind of person who's a bit salty in your sailor language, then be that. And you are going to find that maybe some people will be offended by that. I will say, don't be really salty in your language if your books are not also that way. Because readers who have read your books expect you to be kind of like the books that you're writing. And so if you if, if I'm reading your books and you're writing sweet romance that it doesn't have any of that bad language, and then I get on your newsletter and here you are dropping F-bombs all over the place, uh, you have really subverted my expectation as a reader of who you are as a person. Um, but at the same time, you want readers to know who you are, because those are the readers who are going to love you for who you are. And that means that some people will be turned off by who you are. Um, so being yourself, letting them know who you are, that you, you know, you love Vishlas and you have like eight of them. I don't know how many you have now, Lindsay, but whatever. It seems like eight or 12. Um, people who love dogs are absolutely going to be attracted to that. Whereas, and it might not be a, a turnoff, but there are other things that you could talk about, other things that you can do to be yourself that may be a turnoff to some readers, but that's okay. And you should really be okay with turning off some readers who are not going to be your readers. As a perfect example, I'm a fantasy reader, lifelong fantasy reader. I love my elves and my wizards and my dragons and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, back in the nineties with, uh, George R. R. Martin's game of Thrones and song of ice and fire series, um, fantasy took a really dark turn. And uh, the whole entire trad pub industry created what we now call the subgenre of grimdark. And it aptly describes exactly what it is. It's grim and it's dark. And that is not why I read fantasy. I read fantasy for heroes. They don't have to be the shining white knight hero, but I want them ultimately to, you know, at the moment of, of question, you know, at the moment of question, they turn around and they do the right thing. That's the hero that I wanted. And so for more than a decade, the fantasy publishing engine lost me as a reader. I had no interest in reading all of this grim, dark fantasy that they were publishing. But uh, And then when indie publishing came along, there were people like me who said, authors like me who said, man, I'm getting really sick of people dying all the time. I think I'm going to write something that's not like happy-go-lucky, but at least, you know, heroes are heroes. And the the... the when I got my Kindle, my wife bought me a Kindle for Christmas. That was the first thing that I discovered when I started scrolling around looking for books. And I came upon a couple of, I didn't know they were indie published at the time. They were $2.99 or they were 99 cent books. And I was like, sweet book for three bucks. And it's got a dragon on the cover. I'll take it. And so I started reading it. And suddenly these indie authors were doing what TradPub hadn't done for almost two decades. They were writing books with heroes, things and stories that I wanted to read. Um, and those authors that were doing that, they were very clear up front that this is what you're going to get. You know, it's, it's what they talk about when, they, when people talk about author branding, right? Branding, it, who are you as an author? And by putting that out there and being very clear about who you are, you're making it very clear. You're putting up a big sign to readers that says, this is who I am and this is what I write. And if you like this stuff, you're going to like what I write. I remember when I was looking at agents, they didn't want any of that stuff for fantasy back in like 2009, 2010. Yeah. And then I look over in the Kindle store and like this stuff with elves and dragons is killing it, man. Why, why does Trad Publishing not want this? 
but we can write it. <laughs> we can. And indies have done a fantastic job of not only filling the genre. I mean, look, you know, Trad Pub said, oh, Twilight vampires are dead. No, they're not. They sell like crazy. Uh, but maybe they don't sell enough for Trad Pub to take, uh, you know, an interest in it. But even more than that, the indies came along and literally created genres that didn't exist um, or didn't exist on a higher level. And they certainly weren't interesting traditional publishers. Trad Pubs are now, they're absolutely going, yeah, send us your cozy mystery. Send us your witch cozies. That stuff wasn't selling. They weren't buying any of that stuff. Not until the indies came along and said, prove that there's a huge market for this stuff. There are readers out there that are being underserved. And all of them did the same thing. They came along and they said, you know what? Nobody's writing the books that I want to read. So I guess I'm going to have to step up and write. If I want to read these books, I'm going to have to step up and write the ones that I want to read. And I know that there are readers out there just like me who absolutely want these kinds of books too, even though others aren't publishing this has been absolutely fantastic, Damon. Um, you answered questions I had that I was like, oh, we won't have time if I want to ask that. But you answered them anyway, so this is really <laughs> cool. um, I think there's, there's a ton of tips in here. I think our listeners are absolutely going to love this, this show. Um, it's given me like a long list of stuff. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to put that on my to-do list when my baby's sleeping through the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good luck with that. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, where can people find you um, and BookFunnel too? Well, BookFunnel.com. We don't get clever with the domains. And then uh, if you have a question that you want to ask, it, it, you can honestly, you can email support at BookFunnel.com if you have any questions. And we do, we get a lot of emails from from authors that have nothing to do with BookFunnel, but our people are really, really knowledgeable in, in uh, publishing and, and everything. So uh, if, you, uh, if I haven't answered a question here or if you have another question about something we couldn't get to, Absolutely. Email support at bookfunnel.com and let us know. We'll help you out. Awesome. Sounds great. Um, if there's anything uh, the other you other two have, I'm very tired. I'm like stuttering over my words. <laughs> no, I think we're good. I got to let my 12 Vishlas out of the bedroom where I'm <laughs> to record the show. So <laughs> dinner time here. <laughs> All right. Okay. So then I'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'd like to thank Joshua Pearson for producing it and our listeners, you guys, for your questions, support, and for sharing our new podcast, which we are going on. This is going to be episode 17 or 18 or 19 or something like that. So not, not a brand new show anymore, um, but please visit sixfigureauthors.com. That's number six for the episode notes to leave a comment or to ask a question for a future show or to request that we discuss a specific topic. Um, also, specific topic about publishing and marketing. I, I feel like I should say that. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about our favorite pizza. I don't know. I'm really hungry right now. Um, also, we have a Facebook group. It's Six Figure Authors. Um, go ahead and search us out on Facebook and request to join. I'm going to say right now, if you don't answer the questions, we have been rejecting um, requests to join because we want it to be for people who listen to the show. If we request or if we rejected you, send one of us a message and we'll go ahead and add you in because I know sometimes Facebook questions don't pop up for people who are requesting to join. So if that happens to you, don't have your feelings hurt. <laughs> Just come in and message one of us and we'll go ahead and add you to the group. Anyway, thank you so much, Damon. It was great having you here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening, everyone. So long, everybody. <laughs>